the family history, genealogy made easy. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. In each episode, I'm going to give you the tools you need to uncover your family tree in quick and easy ways. And that's really what this show is all about, discovering your family history. You don't have to be a PhD or retired or even have more than an hour here or there to uncover the stories and the people that in amazing ways have shaped your life. Stay tuned to each episode and I will make genealogy easy for you by bringing you inspiring stories from those who've already taken the first steps into uncovering their family tree and then arming you with the tools to get the job done and have a lot of fun doing it. The process of discovering your family history has changed dramatically since we were all captivated by the miniseries Roots in the 1970s. What once took weeks or months to find can now take just an hour or two. I guarantee you will have success if you follow along with me each week on the podcast. Everyone has a family, which means everyone has a family history. And that history is a part of world history. Isn't it time to claim your place in history? In our first segment in this episode, my guest is Marjorie Bell, Assistant Director of the Oakland, California Regional Family History Center, and she is the author of Line Upon Line, A Beginner's Guide to Genealogy. I'm going to be talking with her about how she first got started in researching her family history, some amazing and inspiring stories of genealogy serendipity, and her advice for those who want to get started. I went to Mahara Parish, Northern Ireland in Ulster, and just felt like I belonged there. I just felt at home. The way to start genealogy is just to start is just to start asking questions and then get it down on paper. Then in our second segment, we're going to jump right in and get you started on your own personal family history journey. There's no time like the present, so let's get going. Well, first of all, when did you start doing your research? Oh, I was in my early 20s. I was um, visiting uh, an aunt uh, who was a genealogist, and frankly, I didn't know what to talk to her about. I had an afternoon to spend with her, and I just said, I don't know anything about my dad's family. And it took her about an hour on the phone with the local historical society to come up with a book that had my dad in it and took me back eight generations, at which point I thought, genealogy is a snap. This is real fun. And so, uh, and since then, I just, uh, I just got started and, and I come from a family of collectors. I have letters written during the Civil War by my great great grandparents, uh, grandfather, and, um, I've transcribed those and just, Gradually, as I was reading letters and coming to know my ancestors, it just became a, more than a hobby. <laughs> it became all-encompassing. <laughs> I had a, a similar experience where when I first kind of really sat down to get serious about it, I ended up with a book dropped in my lap that was basically many, many generations of one particular line. But, but that didn't stop me because what it really does is it shows you Wow, what is possible? And this is just one line of your family. And there's so many other ancestors and stories waiting to be found. So 
I just recently sat in in one of your classes, and you were telling a neat story about something that was found in the attic. And I'd love for you to share this because um, it just reminds us that, yes, there are books and there are databases and there is microfilm, but then there are those unexplainable finds. So what did you find in the attic? Actually, it was just really amazing to me because uh, the story goes back many, many, many years. Um, My father's family owned a home um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s. The home was eventually sold. It was used as rental property. It was used, many different people lived in it. And eventually, my mother's family purchased the home. No relationship whatsoever to the oh, family wow. that had originally lived there. So my mother's family purchased the home, and they were they used it as rental property. I can even remember as a child going up in the attic in this home and dressing up in the old clothes that were there, and we wore them in parades for <laughs> July 4th and that kind of thing. So anyway, no one had ever really cleaned out the attic, but all these years had gone by, and my grandparents' family were preparing to sell the home. My grandmother had nine children. My mother lived farther away than any of the other kids in the family. But she was the one that was there the day they decided to clean out the attic and get the house ready to sell. And don't you know, they're cleaning out the attic, and they found a diary written in the 1800s by my father's family. The family had been Quaker, and because they weren't keeping very good records in the church at that time, but the Quakers have a long, strong history of keeping records. This young Quaker girl wrote all the family vital records in this diary. And so it was, um, my mother died today. Oh, the death of a mother. And and talked about she died of a cancer and, and what had happened to her. She talked about her brother coming home from the Civil War and being so ill they didn't want to send him home. But they did. They sent, I mean, not send him home, send him back to war, but they sent him back and he died two weeks later. And then she went on with pages and pages, 185 vital records in this diary, three generations of family records, births, marriages, deaths, just an amazing find on a family that I knew very little about before that. It really brings home that key concept in family history that we just need to start with what we know, and then we need to talk to the people around us and check at home. What an amazing amount of records in one location. Yes, and make sure that everybody in your whole environment knows that you're the one. That's how I've ended up with with a Civil War letter written every two weeks during the entire length of the Civil War. They've been divided into four packages, but now they've all found their way to my house. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) That's really true. You have to get the word out and advertise. It's amazing when I finally got that label in the family of the family historian. Everything just starts coming your direction, and it's it's wonderful. It becomes more and more exciting. You don't ever get tired of that, do you? That's right. That's right, for sure. (laughs) You mentioned that you had kind of another... um, serendipity story. Tell us about that. Oh, I have so many of them. You know, it just amazes me. Um, It just seems that sometimes, whether you call it serendipity or or the tender mercies of God, sometimes you just get a pat on the back that says, well done, here's a little present for you. Mm -hmm. And I was the Family History Center director in a small family history center in Annandale, Virginia. And one day, I happened to be sitting out at the front desk greeting patrons. 
which was not my usual place. I usually worked in the back room. I had staff that worked in the front. But for some reason, one was at dinner, one was restocking. I was at the front desk. And a young woman walks in, blue jeans, you know, just just walks in. And I said, can I help you? And she said, I don't know. i I got to write a history of the people in this book. And she throws a diary down in front of me. And I said, well, have you read the book? And she said, oh, yeah, it's parts of it. And I said, well, you know, does it tell you a place? And she said, yeah, Tioga County, Pennsylvania. Well, my eyes lighted up because I'm from Tioga County, Pennsylvania, which is some three to 400 miles from Annandale, Virginia. So all of a sudden, she's got a diary of great interest to me. And I said, well, um, were the people Quaker? I know a lot of people there were Quaker. And she said, I don't know, they went to friends' meetings all the time. <laughs> I said, okay, these are Quakers. Are they by any chance Sealy? And her eyes opened, and she said, how did you know? And I said, let me see your book. And she had a book written by my family in 1876, three to 400 miles from where we sat, My Family Diary. And I just, I just looked at her and I said, I just can't believe this. And she wanted to take me to class because she had not only had a history of the family, but she had a, a descendant. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I didn't want her to walk out with the book, of course, so I called the professor and it turns out that he buys up old diaries and journals at auctions and uses them for his better history students and passes them out and says, here, see what you can get out of this and write a history of the people. And she just happened to walk in. Well, you say just happened. Whatever you want to say, miraculously, she walked into the Family History Center when I was at the front desk. I'm the only one in the library who would have known that was my diary that she had. I bought it from her professor and have it in my collection now. How amazing. Marjorie, do you ever believe anybody when they look you in the eye and they say, oh, we don't have, we don't have anything in our family. We don't, we don't have any diaries. I'm not so lucky to have photos. Do you believe them? Uh, you know, they may not. They may not have them, but somebody probably does. Yeah. And that's what really is amazing to me. My grandmother told me she didn't have much of anything on her family. She died, uh, she not died, her mother died when she was a very little girl. And she lived and grew up with her aunt. And all the, the little tiny stack of things that she had was her great-grandparents' family Bible record, her, uh, grand, her grandparents' marriage certificate original, and the original marriage certificate of her parents, and a couple of pictures. So, no, um, there's always something out there. The first time I started doing genealogy was at Christmas time, and in all of my Christmas letters and Christmas cards to family, I just said, I'm really interested in genealogy. Does anybody have anything? You would not believe the stuff that came out of the woodwork to me that Christmas. It was amazing. And don't you find it's just a thrill to them to know, oh, I could put this in the hands of somebody who could take care of it and appreciate it. That's right, and and do, and do something with it. What I did was put together a book on all the descendants of my great-grandparents, and I have printed that three different times. I took it originally to a family reunion and gave one to each of the, of the uh, nine children of my grandparents, and they all wanted more copies. Now the cousins all want it. The extended family has wanted it. Same thing happened. Uh, no one had ever read the Civil War letters, but when I actually... Uh, transcribed them all and put them together in chronological order and bound it as a book, Letters from the Front. Everybody wants it. They're reading the letters. Now that they're easy to read, not the old handwriting, mm -hmm. they're getting the history of the Civil War from a personal viewpoint. All of these things have become important to them. So, yeah. Has great. that changed 
your relationships and your family. What does that mean to you on a personal level in terms of how your family history, your passion for family history, which is very clear, has that changed your relationships in a better way? Um, well, yes. First of all, my aunts and uncles are always thrilled to have me come. <laughs> my uncle says that he has to say howdy to everybody in the cemetery now that he knows that he's related to all of them. Um, family reunions are very important to me. Um, I don't know. I just love. I just love those people. I I drive around these little towns and point out houses and say, "Well, your great 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 grandfather built that house that's shaped like an that's octagon." I have a, a he built he designed an octagon house and I have his diary where he was designing it and it still stands today in uh, Westfield, Pennsylvania, and I drive past it every time I go to Westfield. It just there's just something about knowing this this roots. Um, your family helped build that church, or, or they're buried in that cemetery. Uh, there's just so much that just takes you home. And when I went to Ireland and walked the land of my great-great-grandmother in Ireland, I understood why she went to Pennsylvania, because it looked exactly the same. The terrain was the same. I just, I went to Mahara Parish, Northern Ireland in Ulster, and just felt like I belonged there. I just felt at home. That's an uncanny feeling, and I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and sometimes it literally isn't until you're there in person that you get the full comprehension of right. why they chose what they chose. Marjorie, we've got people listening who are listening to the podcast. They're getting a little excited. They're thinking, maybe I have a story, too. But they're not too sure where to start. Now, you have a lot of years of experience. What's your inspirational thought to leave them with? And what would you do different? If knowing what you know now than when you started? Oh, I wish I would have started younger. Mm-hmm. I wish every time my grandmother opened her mouth, I would have had a paper and pencil in front of me. <laughs> yeah. I am grateful that I interviewed her while she was still living and wrote down everything that she had to tell me. You know, But uh, there are more questions that I could have asked, so I wish I would have asked more questions. The way to start genealogy is just to start, is just to start asking questions and then get it down on paper. I would suggest coming into a family history center, or um, or into a into a family history library somewhere. Let somebody show you how to organize, so that you're getting it down on paper or into a computer, so that other people can follow what you're doing. There are some genealogy standards. It only takes you 10 or 15 minutes to learn it, but then when you when you're doing it, you're not redoing the same thing over and it over really again. Pays off. It does, and to get it into a format that people that is standard, so that you can send it anywhere and people understand it. There are lots of free genealogy programs online. You just need to know what's good about them and use them. So, Marjorie, I, I wish I could have all the listeners right here with us so they could meet you in person because your your joy and your passion for what you do just flows through. But I am thrilled that you gave me these few minutes so that they could at least get to know you on on the show. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you. We're back, and I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook, and we're going to get you started on your journey to discovering your family history. Now, whether you want to build an elaborate family tree or you just want to know who your direct ancestors were and some of the stories about them, the place to start is to get yourself a family history database. 
You don't have to be highly computer savvy to use one. They are very intuitive and user-friendly. Basic data entry skills all you need. Now, I know you're anxious to get started, finding out about the folks who came before you and contributed to putting you on this planet, but this step is key to long-term success and enjoyment. I know too many people who've gotten all excited and they've jumped in and getting all kinds of information about their family, but without a database, they very quickly end up with huge stacks of paper and sticky notes. With all this chaos, they often end up duplicating efforts and forget that they've already done something, which is a huge waste of time. And worst of all, when someone shows an interest in what you're doing, it's impossible to coherently pull out the information from the jumbled stacks in order to share it. Having a family history database will keep all of your findings organized with proper background information on where you found the data, as well as provide a place to pull together photographs and documents and everything else that you discover along the way. It's like painting a piece of furniture. A little prep work goes a long way to a really nice finish. Now, there are lots of family history software programs out there, but you only need one, and all of them will serve your basic needs. So I'm going to give you my top choices. It's your decision how much you want to spend and how sophisticated you want your database to be. Now, if free is your price range and you're looking for a place to stay organized with streamlined screens to work in without a lot of startup time, then Family Tree Legends Online is a perfect choice for you. But don't let free fool you into thinking it won't do the job. Legends offers lots of family history charts, custom reports. It helps you share your data and pictures on a CD or DVD. It allows you to back up your files to CD or DVD, and it includes genealogy programs for Palm handheld devices and the Pocket PC. I've used it, and it's great. You can download the software free from FamilyTreeLegends.com slash downloads. And I'll have that link for you in the show notes for this episode. If you're a PC user and you're willing to spend, let's say, 30 to $40, there are several really good and easy-to-use options available. You can order the product or purchase a digital download, which will save you some money. And frankly, I don't really think you're going to need the physical boxed product. All the help you need is online, and all of these products offer a free demo so you can download them and try them out before you buy. The top seller is Family Tree Maker, which is from the folks at Ancestry.com which is the largest online records database, which we'll be talking a lot more about in future episodes. Family Tree Maker runs $39.95 and can be purchased at FamilyTreeMaker.com. This is probably the most commonly used database out there. Now, if you're looking for great printed reports that you can share, then I really think that Roots Magic is a great choice. It's available as a digital download for $29.95 from their website at RootsMagic.com. Com. Some of the differences you'll find between these products is the type of reports and charts they produce. So if that's important to you, you can try the demos and see which ones you like. But again, I really don't think you can go wrong with any of these products. They are all well established and they're fully supported. And I really want to stress, it's just important that you take the steps and get started. Don't get bogged down in analyzing software forever. If you really want to change to a different program down the road, you can always do that. 
But the important thing here is that you have a place to put the information that you find from the very beginning and that you'll be able to retrieve that information so that you can share it with other people. Now, if you're a Mac user, I have two solid programs that you could use. Again, both of these programs offer free demos if you want to test drive them. iFamily for Leopard is the most affordable at $29.95, and it's available at ifamilyforleopard.com. And Reunion is fairly pricey at $99.95. It's available at lesterpro.com. That's L-E-I-S-T-E-R-P-R-O.com. And again, I'll have those links for you in the show notes. If you're interested in Reunion, I highly recommend that you listen to Episode 51 of my more advanced family history show called The Genealogy Gems Podcast. In that episode, you can listen to a review of Reunion 9 by my contributing partner, Ben Sayer, the Mac genealogist, who's an expert on everything Mac for family historians. And if you want to compare iFamily against Reunion to see what you're going to get for your money, you can also listen to Ben's review of iFamily in Genealogy Gems, Episode 53. Now, when you fire up your new software database, it's going to ask you to fill in information about yourself then your parents, and so on. In family history, we always start with ourselves first, and then we work our way backwards. So enter everything that you know. By just entering data on yourself and your parents, you're going to very quickly get a feel for how the programs work. And once you get everything in there that you know, go ahead and try and print out a pedigree chart. Ah, now there's our first family history term, pedigree chart. Now, you've probably heard the term used for purebred dogs, but pedigree just means lineage or ancestral line. It shows your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, etc. No aunts, no uncles, siblings, anybody on the sidelines. Just the folks that you directly descend from. Now, another type of chart your database can print is a descendant chart, which shows all of the people who descend from one person. So if you had two kids... Your descendant chart would show you at the top and two children directly under you. This comes in really handy when, let's say, you want to have a reunion of all the descendants of, say, your great-grandpa Marvin. Okay, you would go to Marvin's card in the database, and then you'd print the descendant chart from there. It would then include Marvin at the top, all of his kids, his grandkids, his great-grandkids, and so on. But it wouldn't show the kids' spouses. It wouldn't show Marvin's parents. It's just going to tell you who was born directly as a result of Marvin. So enter what you know, and once you've got it all in there, play around with your new database by printing out a pedigree chart and a descendant chart. And next week, we'll start uncovering more clues to your family history. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. You'll find the show notes for this episode, which include all the links I've talked about at my website, genealogygems.com. And there you'll also discover a lot more tips and tools for finding your family history in my podcasts, the blog posts, books, and videos. Become a Genealogy Gems premium member, and you're also going to get access to exclusive content like my full-length video classes and the premium podcast episodes. We have a new one of those coming out every month. Now, if you have any questions about this episode, or if you'd like to share your experiences on how the podcast has impacted your own family history journey, I would love to hear from you. 
you can email me at genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 925-272-4021 and we might just play it here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.